Hi, everybody. It's Connie Bowman, host of the weekly podcast, Happy Healthy You, where we talk about living lives that are whole in mind, body, and spirit. Our new sponsor for the podcast is Red Revive, and I have to tell you, I'm enjoying the results I'm getting after adding just a couple of tablespoons to my green smoothie in the morning. I've even gotten my family to try it. For more about Red Revive and 30% off your order, go to our Happy Healthy You Facebook page and click on the Red Revive video at the top left. If you guys are animal lovers like me, you will love today's podcast because I have a fellow animal lover coming on. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm Connie Bowman, and today I have Christina Chambreau. She's an internationally known homeopathic veterinarian. She's a lecturer and an author, and she's the co-founder of the Academy of Veterinary Homeopathy. She was on the faculty of the National Center for Homeopathy Summer School for 10 years. She's the Associate Editor for the Integrative Veterinary Care Journal and Adjunct Faculty for the Maryland Veterinary Technician Program. She's also the author of the Healthy Animals Journal and Dog, Cat, and Horse, (laughs) the Kindle book, Fleas Be Gone, I love that, A Holistic Veterinarian's Guide to Natural Flea Control. She's the co-author of the Homeopathic Repertory. She's passionate about empowering people to heal themselves and their animals in ways that heal the planet. Don't you love that? She's so full of information that we'll have to have her back for another podcast. But today, welcome, Christina. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I should call you Dr. Dr. Christina. <laughs> oh, it absolutely doesn't matter. Christina's fine. Dr. Christina's fine. And my mother was a children's librarian and no one could say Chambro, So she was called Mrs. C. <laughs> oh, I love Chambro. It's so French. And I never get a chance to practice my French, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> So, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about what you do. Tell us what is a homeopathic veterinarian? Well, I'm glad you actually asked that question because a lot of people confuse homeopathy with holistic, I guess, because they both start with H-O. So we'll have uh, clients come into a practice and say, oh, I've been treating with homeopathy and it didn't help at all. And we say, well, what did you get? And they say, well, we gave an herb or a flower essence or I did massage. And we go, well, that's not homeopathy. That's actually holistic, but not specifically homeopathy. So I'm going to start first with what is holistic, which is looking at people or animals or plants or the planet as a whole. Mm-hmm. It's not focusing on the current problem, but rather seeing that there's an energy balance, a chi, a prana, that's actually driving the production of any current symptoms. So whether you need to change your spiritual focus, your emotional focus, your diet, um, how you, how you're living your life, and the same thing for the animals, you're looking at the whole, you're looking at all of the symptoms. The mind, body, and spirit. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I'm all about on this podcast. So I love you. I'm right on this pit on the same page, girl. The animals <laughs> have the spirit and the trees have the spirit. And we all have the spirit together. Yes. And we're and all connected. The, so the so that's the holistic perspective. That's like an umbrella. Okay. Now, hanging, hanging down from the umbrella spokes are dozens of ways 
of healing. So there's acupuncture and chiropractic and Twina and flower essences and Reiki and um, meditating and homeopathy. So homeopathy is simply one of the forms of holistic medicine. And I actually fell into it in a pretty unique way. Um, I had a client when I was one year out of veterinary school come to this little clinic I was running for my boss. And I was the vet tech and the receptionist and everybody. And she asked me to draw blood and send the results to her homeopathic veterinarian. So I did it, but I asked her, I said, so what is this stuff? So she told me how homeopathy is based on finding a medicine that matches all of the symptoms that the animal or person has currently. And when you do that, it's like cures like. So if you have an imbalance in the vital force and you give the right matching, correct homeopathic remedy, all the symptoms cure up, clear up. Hmm. And the animal lives for a lot longer and has fewer problems, certainly none of the chronic problems down the line. So that was how I got started in homeopathy. And it gives me the framework to teach about all holistic modalities. So, um, so now to bring it to animals, there's some basic things that actually in homeopathy, Hahnemann 200 years ago said, there's some things that if you live this way, you're not going to be healthy. And so back then, he said, if you stimulated yourself too much by playing chess, you never could get cured. And so we have those things for our animals these days. I mean, can you imagine that, that chess was too mentally stimulating? Well, you know what it reminds me of? This is totally off topic, but did you ever see that picture of the, oh no, they were playing poker, the dogs playing poker. <laughs> all the dogs, that that <laughs> stupid tacky picture of all the dogs playing poker, I guess. I guess if you play too much poker... That could be bad for you, too. But Hahnemann would have said the same thing, I'm sure, that <laughs> would be bad for you. That's so funny. Okay. The same thing can be true for our animals. There are things that we have come to accept because we aren't in control of our animals' health anymore. We have given over, many of us, many of the people I run into and that I teach, have given over their animal's health to their veterinarian or sometimes to the internet and the media. And that means Madison Avenue. So there's a whole lot of things that we're doing for our animals that make them more ill. Now, just like with people, it makes some of them sicker, but it doesn't bother others of them. So the first step in having healthy animals is for you to take control and realize you live with your animal every day. You know what works. If the veterinarian says, I want you to feed this science diet, and you start feeding it and you notice that there's your dog is not as happy and is hanging around and lying around and nothing else has changed, and you go back on the food you used to feed and the animal is perky again, and you go to the vet and he says, no, no, you have to stay on this. You're going to, you need to take control and either go to a different vet or say, well, let's see how we can work around this. So the most important thing is don't do anything for your dog, cat, horse, tarantula, bird, unless you understand why you're doing it. Why do you give heartworm pills every month year round? 
because Madison Avenue tells you to. Why do you vaccinate every year when you don't get vaccines every year? So the most important thing is to ask questions and really understand why you're doing what you're doing. Even if you're working, you know, I mean, I'm pretty famous in the homeopathic community for pets. And even for my clients, I tell them, don't think about that. If you think I'm telling you something that doesn't make sense and it's not working for your animal, then you tell me. Question me. Ask me. Let's figure this out together. So you really want to create a team of healers for your pet. So what is, so here's a couple of questions I want people to think about. Number one, what is the best food for people to eat? Where would you get the ingredients for the best food for people? Hmm. I would say fruits and vegetables and eat locally. Absolutely. Okay. And the, ver the very best would be to raise it yourself, right? Mm, yes. Yeah. Now, do you think that a really great diet for people would be to eat organic, Amy's canned beef stew every day, twice a day for the rest of your life with nothing else? No, that would definitely not be good. We need more variety. Okay, well, what if, okay, I give my dog a carrot every day. Would that be enough variety? Probably not. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be for people if you ate yeah. any stew every day and a carrot every day. But as a, as a pet owner, a lot of times if we see that a dog really laps up that beef stew, man, that's what, that makes us excited to give it to him every single day. So that's what we do. Well, that's the, and so the point is processed food for people is not good. Yeah. So processed food for dogs is not good. Okay. Now, having said that, my husband drinks exclusively diet sodas, eats diet jello, and TV dinners. <laughs> and you and let him? Christina. <laughs> Chick-fil-A. And he's a doctor. He's an internist. Okay. And he, won't, and he won't let me cook for me, and he won't eat any of my vegetables. Hmm. And I eat exclusively <laughs> local sustainable vegetables from the CSA. <laughs> yeah. And or if I eat meat, it's from the local farm that free-range cattle, happy animals. So um, he is as healthy as I am in many, many ways. So there are people who eat crap, drink, smoke, etc., and they live to be over 100. Yeah. Hmm. Thing, there are cats who eat dry food and live to be 20. But the problem with cats and dry food is that it dehydrates them. Their poor little kidneys are not used to working very hard because they have camel kidneys because they came from the desert, Egypt. So that's why dry food comes on the market. Ten years later, kidney disease is the number one killer of cats. Even canned food for cats and dogs is not that much better because it's cooked. There's no life in it. You're feeding the same thing every day. So it's just counterintuitive. Oh, but my vet says, stop it. Don't believe your vet. Your vet was educated by, your vet knows no more about nutrition than your doctor does. Your internist doesn't usually know very much about nutrition, and you know that, <laughs> right? Yeah. So what you're saying is that we really need to think about our animal's health the same way we think about our own personal health. Absolutely. Okay. So another obstacle to cure with animals are toxins. Just like 
you are working hard to get your house to be cleaner, both for our environment to save the planet, but also so you're not as, as ill. You're careful with furniture. You don't want new furniture that's going to outgas. You don't want um, paints that have high VOC. You don't want to be using cleaning compounds that are toxic. Imagine these animals. Their nose is right down in the carpet, many of them, right. except for great things. Um, and their nose is a bit higher. So they are going to suffer from toxins in the house, toxins in the yard, as well as toxins in the food. Because if you're buying processed food, you have no idea what's in it. Thousands of dogs died because of the melanine melanine poisoning, where it was added to make the protein, higher protein, at a cheap cost in China. Mm. And that can happen any time. We just don't know. If you buy it locally from a local farm, you know, usually. Not not saying there's never going to be a problem. So other other places you find toxins and other issues is in vaccinations. So I bet, Connie, that you're not getting a flu shot every year. <laughs> well, you're probably right. <laughs> I haven't had one for a while. That's true. Now, what about this? When you were a child, you got probably got measles, mumps, polio. Yes. But yeah. you haven't been getting that every year of your life till you die, right? Right. And yet, what are your dogs and cats getting? Mm, they get whatever the vet tells me. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. that's true. Once again, it's back to what you just said. We mm. need to start thinking, well, wait a minute. Do Would I want my child to get a vaccine every year? Yeah. Because vaccines, actually, the adjuvants in vaccines are full of toxins. So that can be a major problem. So it's that idea of questioning. If you're told by a vet or you go to the pet store, to PetSmart, and they say, this is great, this will keep all the fleas and ticks off your dog so you won't run the risk of getting Lyme disease and anaplasmosis and Rocky Mountain spotted tick fever and all these horrible diseases. And then you read the instructions and it says, wear gloves to apply. Do not let your child be near the dog for two days. Wait a minute. You're going to put that on your dog? Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, that's true. That's so true. It's, again, this questioning. And not to drive you crazy. I'm not saying you have to go out and spend five hours researching it, but just use your common sense and don't let experts talk you out of your common sense. When I, when I was a practitioner, veterinary practitioner in Washington, D.C. in the early 80s, we had virtually no heartworm in the D.C. area if you were down in D.C. And yet I was telling people to give heartworm preventative in the middle of winter all year long. And I had clients say, but I never see any mosquitoes. Why do I need to give it? And I'd give them some poppycock answer like, well, mosquitoes could hatch. I've seen them occasionally on a day. Yeah, right. But I wasn't even thinking like you need to think, <laughs> yeah. which is mosquitoes have to get born and go find a positive dog and suck that blood and then they have to actually stay at 65 degrees or higher for two weeks for the heartworms to get from the blood they sucked, go through a couple of larval changes and get up into their salivary glands to get ready to infect your dog. Well, in the middle of winter, you usually don't get 
two weeks of over 65 degrees temperature with it never dropping below 65, do you? No, not in D.C. Not in D.C., even now with global warming. (laughs) So it's not something for us to do. So you've seen now already how taking a thoughtful, careful, considered, questioning, common-sense approach to your pet's health can make a huge difference for the environment. If you're purchasing food at a farm, the meat and vegetables for your dog at a farmer's market, and you're buying the parts of the animal that Americans don't eat, the tongue, the liver, the heart, the kidneys, the intestines, the ears, the feet, you are helping our planet Earth. If you're not using petrochemical flea and tick preventatives, you are helping the environment. If you're not giving vaccines that could be shed, you're helping the environment, not to speak of the needle and the plastic that wrapped up the needle and the syringe and the bottle that had to be made and then shipped. So these choices for helping your animals be healthier and ourselves be healthier have a secondary effect of helping our planet be healthier. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you that question, but that, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Hmm. And it's even important when you're looking at if your animal is ill, what treatments are you actually going to do? Who's going to be on your healing team? What kind of treatments? So we can actually step back and look and ask the question for ourselves. What treatments for ourselves or our animals of the whole, of any treatments, conventional or holistic, are least damaging to the planet? How damaging to a planet is the production and manufacture and shipping and distribution and then disposal of drugs and chemicals? How do we know that some, sometimes, Christina? How do we get that information? Well, it's, it's really, I, I say if you stick with common sense. So if you just think about it without any big, without any details, think about a drug being aspirin being made. Okay, aspirin's got to be made somewhere, right? They take a bunch of chemicals from somewhere, and then they put them together in a building, and then they have machines using electricity that put it into the bottles. The bottles are made out of something that might or might not be able to be recycled, but even recycling takes energy. And then it gets shipped to a store, and then you've heard something, even if you don't know the details, but common sense tells you, but if you throw those pills in the garbage, they're going to end up in the environment. Hmm. Yeah. So it's just common sense. Okay. So you compare a drug, you don't need the details, compare a drug to doing Reiki. So Reiki is a wonderful way of healing where you go to, it's a, originally a Buddhist healing and then a Japanese man in the early 1900s uh, formulated, you know, sort of brought it back. And it's been taught ever since then. And you go to a class, you become attuned to where you can channel the universal healing energy through your hands. And when Reiki is done to you or you're doing Reiki to somebody or plant or animal, your hands actually get hot. Mm -hmm. So what is the environmental cost of Reiki? You drove to a class, you sat in a room, had electricity, and you drove home. Yeah, very little, very little. 
compare that to drugs and you don't need any research or details. <laughs> right, right. I was, you, you tuned into me completely because I was just going to ask about some of those energy modalities for animals. I know there are a lot of people that are getting, doing acupuncture on their pets and Reiki on their pets. Is it the same for pets as humans? Does, is, do, do they have the same benefits? Absolutely. Every Well, let me say, um, 98% of the holistic modalities that we use for our, for people can be used for animals. Now, they have to be adjusted a bit. Just like with diet, every person needs a different diet. Well, dogs need a different diet than cats that need a different diet than horses that need a different diet than people. So with Reiki, it happens to be one you do it very similarly, except what we've discovered is rather than laying your hands on the animal the way you do a person, it's better to sit down in the room where animals are with the door open so they can leave and just offer Reiki healing to them. They may come over and not give it directly to them. They may stay where they are, come closer to you, or even leave the room. That allows them to take the amount of Reiki they want. Are dogs very sensitive to energy like that? Like you, you do hear about, I have heard about, um, animals health being affected by the emotional or the physical state of their owner's health. Absolutely. So in terms of like being responsive to Reiki, just like with people, some will be healed at a deep level. Some will have superficial help. Some it won't help at all. It is important that when you're doing something like Reiki is important because if you're offering Reiki every day to all the living beings in your house, then you will be helping your emotional state, which then will be helping your animals. This is particularly important, this idea of um, emotional state, when our animals are getting near death for any reason. Too many of us spend our time, whether it's for people dying or animals dying, we spend our, we waste our time in anticipatory grief. Mm -hmm. So instead of grieving before they're actually gone, let's enjoy every moment and let's do Reiki every day or acupressure or massage or flower essences. So as long as we're doing those things, we're working on ourselves at the same time. If you have an animal that is has separation anxiety or you have a, a dog who's really scared of thunderstorms or a cat who hides every time someone comes into the house, one of the things to look at is what is your behavior? Is something being triggered in you by thunderstorms that then is being transmitted to your animal? They've got their own stuff. They actually come onto this planet with their own stuff, sure. and they have their lessons to learn. That reminds me of my golden retriever, Bo. He hated thunderstorms so much. He would go, I mean, most dogs do, I think, but Bo really hated them, and we kind of like them. <laughs> so we used to go sit on our front porch, our family, and we'd watch the, the big storms come up because we had a, a covering, and the dogs never wanted to come out with us, but especially Bo. Oh, he was so afraid of them. But I don't think any of us were necessarily. So and that so it's, and that it's not to say that every problem with your animal is caused by you. Yeah. It's, that it's just one of those questions to ask. Could I be contributing to this? And they come here with their own. So, for instance, I had a woman who had a little dog, and 
Um, she complained to me periodically when we were treating for other issues that her dog would actually bite her on the nose. And one time I did a house call and I observed her with her dog and she would pick her dog up and go, oh, Susie, you're so cute. Such a cute Susie. And Susie would growl. She would be holding Susie right in front of her face, looking at her. And Susie weighed four pounds. Susie would growl and she'd go, why are you growling at me? Oh, you sweet, sweet little puppy. The dog would growl again. <laughs> and then finally the dog would bite her. <laughs> So that was purely owner. I could not have fixed that with a homeopathic remedy for the dog. I needed, the owner needed the homeopathic remedy. <laughs> so it is important to realize that every treatment can be used. Number one, conventional, we do, you know, heart transplants in dogs as well as people. Holistic, all the holistic, most of the holistic modalities can be used. It is a little hard to get a dog to do Tai Chi. <laughs> yeah, I would say. <laughs> there are a few that don't apply, but mostly they do. Number three, look to see the environmental impact of the choices that you're making. And then there's a second. The next is to look at what are the treatments you can do yourself for maintenance, for health maintenance, for building health, and even to treat minor problems. And which are, and who else is going to be on your healing team to address the issues you can't address yourself? Make sense? Totally, totally. And in general, Christina, are holistic approaches more gentle than conventional approaches? Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe you Absolutely. should talk about that a little bit. Well, see, here's the thing. They're more gentle to the planet. We've talked about that. Right. But they're also, they're usually more gentle to the people or animals, but not always. Conventional chiropractors who are what I call bone crackers <laughs> can actually cause damage. And that can happen to your animal as well. If you're going to a vet who's like really crunching. Or if you go to a vet who's not respecting the holistic approach, but is merely using holistic techniques to treat a symptom, they may not be as in tune with the animal with the acupuncture. And so they may actually hit points that make the animal jump. Mm. May not be as accurate in, in it. So for every modality, you still are responsible, even though mostly they're more gentle. You need to be responsible to see that the practitioner you've chosen is working well with your animal. Yeah. And th when you're talking about this, you remind me of another dog, <laughs> our German Shepherd, Maddie. And I feel like Maddie was our most sensitive animal. She was, she was my daughter's uh, dog for the most part, although... She, you know, she went away to college and we ended up taking care of her okay. like happens in so many homes. But she was so sensitive to so many things, to people. I really felt like she was sensitive to every emotion that was in our home. And my daughter, when she went to college, I think it affected her and she would come home and visit. And Maddie would literally, I mean, she would cry so hard when she saw her. She'd just go, 
and she had a submissive urination thing too. So she would pee and cry every time Caroline came home and we we were just like so anticipating it. Every time she'd come home, we'd make sure Maddie was outside because we knew she was going to pee all over the place and she was going to cry. And it was an emotional reunion every single time. But that sensitivity, a lot of animals are very sensitive. Now, that sensitivity that you described in Maddie is actually over the edge and <laughs> been completely cured with holistic modalities. People told us that along the way, and she she kind of grew out of it, but that one situation with Caroline coming home, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, she just couldn't handle it. It was just too much joy. <laughs> and we knew that's what it was, so we just let her pee. <laughs> Even when you know what it is, I mean, that's certainly what you have to do is be practical. Right. But so it's to never give up trying. So the approach to take here is, again, to look at, Treatments you can be doing regularly at home and then looking at the team. So what you could have been doing at home with Maddie is Reiki every day. Okay. May have completely resolved the issue. Hmm. I did do a lot of Reiki. I'm a Reiki practitioner and I did do a lot on her. Okay. But, um. So that brings up the perfect point. Not mm -hmm. everything works on every animal. Right, right. So if the Reiki doesn't work, then the second thing to try is flower essences. Flower essences are 100% safe, and they really work on emotions, but we know that emotions trigger physical stuff, so flower essences also work on physical stuff. And so that's the second thing to start working with. The original ones were Bach essences. That was a homeopathic doctor, actually quit his homeopathic practice, and he must have been channeling. He just went in the woods and picked different flowers and floated mm-hmm. them in water and then gave them to people, and people were cured. So they're totally safe. The Bach flowers are 38 individual ones, but you can pick up Rescue Remedy, which is a combination of five rescue type of flower Bach flowers, and they're all combined together, and you get this little bottle of Rescue Remedy, And those of you listening will not need to buy the pet rescue remedy. Just buy the human rescue remedy. The only difference is the pet doesn't have alcohol in it. And it's good that it's out there. But now you're going to be educated enough to know you just take four drops of the rescue remedy and put it in a one-ounce dropper bottle full of water. And then you use that. Is the dosage the same for every size animal? It is, because the dosage in flower essences is as much as you possibly can do. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's a, you know how when you're taking it for yourself, you're going to put some on your body, and then you're going to put some in a glass of water and sip it, and then mm-hmm. you're going to maybe miss the bed with it if you're anxious, or miss your car with it. Same thing with animals. Okay. Uh, you put some in a bowl of water, not their drinking water, because you don't want to medicate their drinking water. Okay. But you can put it in their drinking water. You can um, put it in their food. If it, it won't put them off their food. You can put it directly in their mouth. Rescue Remedy will stop seizures in about 60% of the dogs. Oh, interesting. Hmm. It will not cure them of getting seizures. But if they have, like I had a, Pekingese, who was going to be about two weeks before I could do an appointment with him, and he had half-hour-long seizures. And I, so I said, till then, just do the rescue remedy. 
As soon as the seizure starts, just do it directly. Don't worry about the alcohol. Just squirt some directly in the mouth and then rub it on the ears. It took, it decreased the 30 minute seizures to a five minute seizure. Wow. You know, and that's certainly nice. It's horrible watching your dog seize. Yeah, that's really encouraging. It doesn't work all the time. It's great for car travel anxiety, but it doesn't work all the time. But it's totally safe. That's the cool thing. Right, right. It's totally safe. You can play around with it. Now, there's a bunch of other companies out there now that make combination flower essences for specific animal problems. So we have Spirit Essences that was started by veterinarian Jean Hovey, but is now owned by the famous TV personality Jackson Galaxy. Hmm. And um, they've put together some really great ones, and they reiki the bottles before they're sold. They're made with uh, special sacred water, and they have things for physical ailments like creak away for arthritis or easy breather for respiratory problems. They also have emotional ones like bully remedy or feather picking for emotional birds or foster care remedy. Um, and then we have um, Green Hope Farms, Green Hope Essences and Molly talks to the spirit flowers and it's wonderful just reading her catalog because of how she talks with flowers. Where do we find these, Christina? On the internet. Okay. And on my, if you go to my website, my website is myhealthyanimals.com and I know you'll have it posted there. And um, I have a bunch of articles. So there's a whole article on flower essences and I will have more and more articles as it goes along. <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. So flower essences is 100% safe. So yeah, that's what I like about flower essences. They are so safe in humans and in animals. Can you talk a little bit about how pets uh, seem to mimic the illnesses of their owners just a little bit? And how does that happen and why does that happen? Well, if you think about it, isn't the truth, are we really separate beings? Mm. Aren't we all one? I love Richard Bach's book, One. Mm -hmm. And quantum physics is showing us that. Einstein even said it. And so are my energy disturbance that's causing my physical problem, that, that energy disturbance can be communicated to my animal if my animal has the same weakness. Some animals just are never affected by anything. You know, they just go through life. It's like a hound dog. Just okay, like people. Like, yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then there are others. So that your out of balance that's causing your bladder infection could trigger an out of balance energy state in your animal that's causing a bladder infection. So it is something I, as a conventional vet, I poo-pooed it. As a holistic vet, I pay close attention when someone says, you know, every time I have an upset stomach, I notice my cat seems to be gagging or vomiting hairballs. And then we pursue that and see what's going on. Interesting. And the owners need to be treated. <laughs> when did you turn around? When did you go from being conventional to uh, holistic? And and how did that happen? That must have been crazy. Actually, we started with that. It was my first year out of practice when the woman came to me and asked for homeopathic, for blood results sent to her homeopathic veterinarian. Because 
the year I graduated, 1980, I was 30 years old. And I got to tell you, I didn't even know what a vegetarian was. You know, 1980, I probably should have, but I didn't. <laughs> and then I was exposed to, I was in D.C., and I had taken the S training years before that, and I learned rebirthing and neurolinguistic programming and whole bunches of other things. And then this woman introduced me to homeopathy. I took a course in that, and that was the beginning. And I was teaching for the Hunger Project. I was leading Ending Hunger Briefings for them and discovered I love to teach. I love to educate people. I love doing radio shows and podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Well, before we get to more about your information, let's talk to people about the best way, if they're not in your area in Virginia, the best way to find a good holistic professional in this for their animals. On my website, I have a article in the article page on selecting and working with a holistic veterinarian. And that's important. And then on the links page, I have a list of all of the holistic veterinary organizations. So there's the veterinary botanical organization, there's three different acupuncture veterinary associations, homeopathy associations, two chiropractic associations, and the overriding American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association. You might think that we would all belong to AHVMA, but some people may do five modalities and they just can't afford to belong to all the organizations, including the regular conventional AVMA. So they may be just in the acupuncture organization. So you have to look for a vet near you who's in all of those. You have to go to all of the websites to find who's closest. I am doing, I've been doing veterinary homeopathy by phone uh, for the last 35 years. And I'm now moving into doing pet health coaching. So for anybody who wants to have a healthy pet, I'll be going through, I'll take you from wherever you are on your health journey, like you're still eating at McDonald's or you're using local sustainable food and being very careful about what you eat and exposed to and you meditate every day. I'll take you from where you are to the next level, mm. having your pet be healthy. And part of that is helping you find a veterinarian that's near you. If there is no veterinarian, holistic veterinarian who's good, who's near you. And you know, it's not just about being good. It's also about they clip for you. Sure. Some really good, great, wonderful, holistic veterinarians. Nobody, and they like to work with them. I've had people complaining about me because I'm sort of a lazy, fair attitude, and they want to be told what to do. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you, if you can't find somebody who's really great near you with hands-on, then you can work with homeopathic veterinarians by telephone. So at the, home, at the Academy of Veterinary Homeopathy website, it says in their referral list whether they take phone consultations or not. So that's always your backup if there's nobody near you. But it's much best to find somebody near you. And these days, I mean, there's a good that several thousand veterinarians scattered across the country who are doing holistic approaches. And some of them belong to the organizations and some don't. Okay. Your health food store is another good place to go and ask at the health food store who they know. 
that's holistic because a holistic veterinarian for sure is going to have talked to people at the local health food store. Okay, good. So give us your website one more time. It's, it's easy because what do you want? You want to have a healthy animal. So it's myhealthyanimals.com. Oh, perfect. That's easy. You know, while you were talking, I just had this memory that came back about Maddie, our, our German Shepherd, our beloved German Shepherd who passed away about a year ago. And we took her to the doctor. She was having what appeared to be a, a seizure. She was kind of walking sideways and she was, I don't know, just she had, she had very little balance. And so my daughter was home from college and we took Maddie to the vet and the vet started to prepare Caroline for this, the eminent death of Maddie. And, you know, she said pretty much it's her time. I think she was about 12 or 13. And really, that's a decent age for a German Shepherd, right? So Caroline and Caroline started crying. And we here we are at the vet, it got really emotional. And I said, let's just go. And we took Maddie home. And I told Caroline in the car on the way home, let's just take her home. We're going to do Reiki and we're going to pray and, and we'll see what happens. And we did. And Maddie lived another year after that. So, so I just remembered that, that maybe Reiki did work for her. I don't know, but she got, (laughs) she got better. And that vet was, I don't know, we kind of never went back to that vet because, he upset her so much. <laughs> Caroline was not ready to say goodbye. So <laughs> that's actually a very, that is way too common that people are either offered euthanasia or very, very expensive diagnostic and therapeutic options. And that's why POSPIS, P-A-W, instead of hospice, POSPIS has come into being. And more and more veterinarians are now conventional or holistic are now beginning to offer hospice care for animals. The thing about holistic hospice care is that most many animals, not all by any means, but many animals who go into hospice care end up living for another year, two, three, four, or five years. Because <laughs> they get the love that they need, well, you know? The love. They're actually getting Reiki or they're getting acupuncture or homeopathy or fluids or whatever. Um, there's a wonderful group called Bright Haven. Their website is brighthaven.org out in California. And she decided at a late age that she was going to adopt old cats that would probably be many of them hospice. So at Bright Haven, they're adopting cats 16 and older, many of whom are in hospice or would be considered in hospice. And when she started doing holistic approaches like homeopathy after going to my course, she had one cat live to be 34. No way. Oh my gosh, that's so old. Many cats, including one of the first cats that I treated for her, because we'd set up homeopathic phone consulting veterinarians, so about 10 of us helped take care of their animals. Um, and many of them live to be 28 to 30. Now that's being adopted at 16. Wow. I didn't know cats live that long. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, cat, cat Fancy does um, old cat stories periodically and everybody's or contests and people send in and even conventionally raised. There are some cats that make it to 30, 31. Hmm. Uh, and you mentioned German Shepherd. A healthy German Shepherd who's been raised holistically, I've known ones that were 20. <gasps> wow. Mm. Um, but now, again, just like with people, uh, 
a really good vegan meditating and doing everything you think would be good can still die of cancer at age, you know, 25. Yeah. Yeah. So there is no magic. It's simply what makes most common sense to you. Right. Right. And then educating yourself about how we become ill and how we heal. Understanding the difference between palliation, that is a homeopathic term, but it means just a temporary alleviation of symptoms, or cure, really deeply healing that out-of-balance energy force so that the person is or animal is completely all the symptoms go away and they live for a long time. Or suppression, where a drug is given or a treatment of any sort, even homeopathy or acupuncture, the current symptoms resolve quickly, but then something else happens instead. An itchy dog comes to me who's been itching for two or three years. I carefully choose a remedy to match all of the individual characteristics of that dog. The owner calls me back for the two-week appointment follow-up and says, you're a magician. You're a Mm -hmm. miracle worker. She stopped scratching five minutes after I gave the remedy. And I'm going to myself, "Uh uh-oh, not good. Been scratching for three years. How would the body physiologically resolve it that fast? Occasionally, miracles do happen. You can lay on your hands with Reiki, and the person gets up who's never walked and walks out of the room. But that's not usually how Reiki happens or healing happens or right. chiropractic or right. acupuncture right. happens. So I asked careful questions, and it took her a while, but she finally said, oh, I forgot she's been biting the children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the homeopathic remedy resolved the itch and created irritability or aggression. So that's suppression. So I gave a different remedy. The irritability, the new symptom, went away really quickly, mm-hmm. and it took you know, a few few weeks to months for the itching to completely resolve. So that's important that people understand that quick elimination of symptoms is not the goal. Well, it's just like we were we were together at a conference last week, a mind body uh, medicine conference, and just like they said that Western medicine is really good for acute situations such as accidents or heart transplants or you know fixing. Knee, knee transplants and or knee, new knees and uh, Eastern medicine and some of these uh, m- alternative modalities are really good for the chronic or long-term situations. And just like with people, I would assume that with animals, it would be the same. So I would actually shift that just a little bit for okay. both people and animals, Connie. And what I would say is that Alternative and holistic medicine is excellent for both acute and chronic pain or acute and chronic problems. And there are some things that most holistic modalities can't fix and Western medicine is great at. Yes. For knees, you can prevent yourself. You get a bad knee and you can use a ton of different holistic modalities to prevent needing knee surgery. I just wrote an article or was editing an article for the Integrated Veterinary Care Journal on prolotherapy, which is used in people and animals, so they don't they do not need knee surgery. However, if you were in an accident and your knee was really torn up, mm-hmm. holistic medicine's not gonna fix it. Right. Right. It's shattered. 
that's where Western medicine really so shines. Severe, yeah. What I would probably say is severe acute problems. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm with it's you on that. Everybody who reached for rescue remedy and Reiki. Yeah. I call it R&R because I was raised in the Air Force. Uh-huh. Have yeah. R&R, rest and recreation. So I love I it. Everyone to have Reiki and rescue remedy. Yes. R&R. Yes, two good two good tools to have in your back pocket. Thank you so much, Dr. Chambro. I'm so I, I, that's so pretty that name. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been a fascinating conversation and it makes me want to go out and get a new dog. So, I might just have to do that. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. It's you. you give me a call and get you all set up. Okay. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye bye now.